Let's go ahead and start this episode with a disclaimer. If you're the type that shies away from a little risk in favor of getting some insane rewards out of it, just go ahead and shut this podcast off now and stop listening because the Kingsguard and Joffrey are absolutely not for you. For those who are a little bit uh, less against the risk aversion and really like insanely cool things that happen for a slight um, bit of risk, then let's continue on. We're going to get right into it, but of course we've got to talk about our sponsor for this week, which continuing our trend of, uh, well, random cereals, we have Mr. T brand crispy sweet corn and oats cereal with Mr. T stickers inside, fortified with B vitamins and irons. I pity the fool that doesn't like flavor of this magnitude. Okay, now that that sponsorship and extra little dollar sign is out of the way, let's get right into it. So the list we have here is the King's Guard with Joffrey Baratheon, first of his name attached, a Lannister Guardsman unit with a guard captain, a second Lannister Guardsman unit with a guard captain, a unit of Pyromancers, a unit of Warriors' Sons. For our NCUs, we're running Cersei Lannister and then Pycelle. So looking over Joffrey here, the thing we need to note is that his tactics cards. His tactics cards are unique in the fact that they actually do come with some drawbacks, but in exchange for that, also feature some of the most powerful effects seen in tactics cards in the game. The first one that is unique to him is going to be I Am The King. When a friendly combat unit is attacked after defense dice are rolled, automatically block D3 wounds. After the attack has been completed, the defender becomes vulnerable and your opponent may choose one of your combat units to become panicked. So here's something that I notice a lot of people seem to be overlooking about this card. This card straight blocks wounds. It does not block hits. In addition to that, you are roll, uh, sorry, you are playing this card after you've rolled your defense dice. So you get to see how many wounds you're going to take and then block D3 of them. If you want to look at the math side of things, effectively blocking a wound is almost the same as blocking two hits. The way the math works out, let's say, you know, four plus save, I'm oh, sorry, four plus to hit, half the time they're going to hit, you're going to block half the time on an average save of four plus, blah, blah, blah. Point is, is that the math on here is deceptive if you don't actually know what you're looking for. Okay, blocking D3 wounds, especially after seeing the result, can be a real lifesaver. And yes, you're going to suffer the negative that your unit becomes vulnerable, and then another one of your unit becomes panicked. You're just going to have to get over that, because you're effectively you know, blocking between two and six hits coming from the attack. And this is noting that this is going to bypass anything like if you get sundered, or if you have an effect that doesn't allow defense saves, this is going to protect you from that. This is arguably one of the best defensive cards in the game. This also stacks incredibly well with the Lannister generic card, Wealth of the Rock, which is played after attack dice are rolled to give you plus one defense. So you combine that with this card, and you can almost mitigate an entire attack if you have the need to do so. The second unique card we have to Joffrey is Traitors, I Will Have Their Heads. By the way, one of the main... Uh, Fun things about playing Joffrey is being able to just yell out all these things when you're actually playing them. Start of a friendly turn. One enemy combat unit becomes panicked, and then one enemy combat unit suffers a panic test. After this test has been completed, your opponent may choose one of your combat units to become panicked, and one of your combat units to become weakened. They may select the same unit. So this is effectively a built-in crown zap that can happen at the start of any of your friendly turns. And in fact, you can double down on the effect and just, you know, zap something with this card, zap something with the crown, and just really deal some damage. This card is my favorite. Oh, actually, it's hard to say that. It's this gives you a way of damaging things outside of combat that you otherwise might not have a way to damage, which is what the Lannisters are all about via morale and panic. Uh, this is also one of the reasons that Cersei is in this list, is because this just gives you such a big damage potential 
with her. Now, of course, this is the start of a friendly turn, so it could require some setup there, but you hit a unit with Cersei with this, third of minus two that test anyway, you can make them panicked, and then they're going to suffer a test here, in addition to probably one they suffered in the previous round if you did crown zap them. So the thing to note here is that you also don't have to pick the same unit that becomes panicked and the same one that suffers the panic test. So you do have some versatility here. Now, most of the time, if your target isn't already panicked, you're going to want to choose them, but you have the options here uh, noting that. And this card here can save you because, you know, destroying an enemy rank with this tester and everything is going to lower their offensive potential or, you know, give them just a little extra bit of damage that you need. So when you go to attack them during your actual action and activation for the turn, you know, to help just push that over the edge. This is a great card just for dealing with things that, you know, you don't really want to push through their defense. Anything with a 3-plus save or, you know, things like, um, you know, Flademan. This gives you a good tool against that. The last Joffrey-specific card we have is You Will Obey Me! When a friendly combat unit makes a melee attack before attack dice are rolled. This attack gains plus one to hit and rolls plus two dice. After this attack has been completed, this unit becomes weakened and your opponent may choose one other of your combat units to become panicked. So straight up plus one to hit and rolling two extra combat dice. That is an insanely good benefit to pretty much any unit in the game. It's especially beneficial to the units that we've chosen to put in this list here, which we will um, get to the reasoning there. But frankly, this is just a straight just great combat buff here and the Lancers don't have a lot of straight combat buffs so this is giving you that option there. This is going to complete uh, Joffrey's trifecta of a super good defense card, a super good morale attack, and a super good melee um, attack card here. So you have means to cover pretty much everything you want to do here and cover all your spectrums. Now of course each of these cards comes with negatives that your guys are going to get some tokens on them but frankly it's We've got ways to mitigate that in this list, and if you play smart around it, it's not going to matter that much. And frankly, that's one of the things about Joffrey that people look at, and they see these negatives, which really are a slight in the long run, because you've got ways of getting rid of these, first off, via you know the wealth zone, which you're going to be claiming anyway as Lannisters, or just you know ignoring them. They're not going to be that impactful unless you, well, let them. I'm not saying that they, you, know, you should ignore them, but they are definitely, people hype up like, the negatives here way more than they have any right to compared to the staggering benefits that these cards give. So that being said, let's take a look at the unit breakdown of this list and what we have in there. So I guess we'll start by talking about the titular Joffrey Baratheon, first of his name unit, and the Kingsguard, because frankly, that's one of the cooler reasons why you're going to want to take this list, because you get the Kingsguard. You get this turbo unit that's just, you know, probably, oh, for the points, the strongest unit uh, in the game, coming at six points here. And for that, you're getting some key features here. You have an average movement of five. Defensive stats are a three plus, four plus, but they have fearless, which means the unit never suffers penalties to morale and may never become panicked. So they're immune to all of the panic token effects of Joffrey's cards. They're just not a viable target for that. So that means that your opponent is going to be left to putting panic tokens on your warrior sons, who have a four plus morale, on your pyromancers, who, yes, this is probably a good target for them, but the Pyromancers are so squishy that I really don't care what tokens you put on them to begin with. Two Lannister Guardsmen units who have Guard Captains who are going to mitigate that panic anyway, so I don't really care about the panic aspect of any of the tactics cards that I've played. So, looking at the rest of the ones, okay, so you can make me vulnerable. Alright, the Guardsmen kind of care about Vulnerable, but they've got a 3-plus save, and they're a 5-point unit with a 1-point attachment, so 6 points. They're meant to go there and camp objectives. Yes, they can become Vulnerable, but I don't really care about that too much. You've got the Pyromancers. They have a 6-plus save. Hey, feel free to make them Vulnerable all damn day. I don't care. 
Warrior Suns, making them vulnerable in their 4+. They can bring themselves to a 3+, as well. This is probably going to be your opponent's best target for them, because they are an elite unit. But even then, you've got ways of healing them back up, and you've got ways of mitigating that vulnerable out there. So you just don't really care too much, again, to begin with. The last one is they can make your guys weakened. And two of his uh, three cards do hand this out. Okay, you're going to make my Kingsguard weakened. Congrats, they hit on 2+. I don't care. You're going to make my Guardsman weakened. I was never planning on damaging you with my uh, you know, decorative longswords anyway, so I don't really care there. You're going to make my Pyromancers weakened? Okay, so if I'm in melee, the only thing I'm actually not dealing damage on is a 2. So I don't really care. And you're going to make my Warrior Sons weakened? Okay, so this is actually the best target for them as well. You'll notice a trend here, though. We have the Warrior Sons in this list who seem to be the biggest token magnet. And yeah, that's fine, but they're also the most adept at being able to just kind of mitigate around that because they've got means of giving themselves plus one to hit, they've got means of raising their defense, and they just straight up don't really care about the panic tokens. So here's the thing. You know, yes, our tactics cards have negatives built in for being as strong as they are, but we've built a list around mitigating those weaknesses. And I know I said that they weren't substantial in the beginning, and they're really not. You could run other units, but here we're just capitalizing on removing those weaknesses to really get the most out of those benefits. So here we have this big kind of token dump unit in the Warrior Sons that your opponent's going to go like, oh, well, this is the obvious answer to put a token on. This is the obvious answer to put a token on. But assuming that they're in a position to use those, uh, otherwise, they're going to have to start putting them under their units, which just becomes less efficient. So, back to the Kingsguard. You've got a 3+, plus, 4+, plus with Fearless, which is a fantastic defense line. Now, the issue with the Kingsguard is that they only have 8 wounds, and they can't be healed. So, they are a little more fragile than you'd want to see. But that's why we have a card that straight up blocks wounds. You also have Wealth of the Rock, which increases these guys to a 2-plus defense save. The thing about the Kingsguard is that you can't just throw them out there and, you know, uh, be reckless with them. Because your opponent, it's a double-edged sword. Your opponent is probably going to target them because they are worth a staggering three victory points on their own. But here's the thing. Take advantage of that. The Kingsguard are not so easy to take down unless your opponent has the right tools. And you probably, as a Lannister player, especially with the cards that Joffrey is bringing to you, have means of mitigating, if not outright canceling, all of those nasty effects. You have Wealth of the Rock. You have um, You Will Obey Me. Or, sorry, not that one. You have um, I Am the King to block wounds. You've got means of keeping these guys alive. And if your opponent's going to tunnel vision and try to take them out, then you need to capitalize on and take advantage. Because while the Kingsguard are nasty, you have a lot of other nasty units in this list that can really, really hurt them. So the other thing to note about the King's Art is that you have eight attack dice on a two plus that is never going to get any worse than that. Okay? So you don't really care about weekend, and these guys have really good sustain in the fact that they are just going to always be consistently usually rolling about seven hits on average. They don't have any special abilities innately, sort of, but we're going to get to that. Um, and they also have order counterattack, which is going to up their damage out um, further as well. Counterattack is not going to be an extreme source of damage, it's just a little bit of extra little like kind of chip damage when you're attacked, but it's still going to punish your opponent for targeting them, which is going to be something that a lot of people will do. Now, when you're playing them, again, you don't want to throw them into a reckless situation, and you definitely don't want to throw them away unless you have some giant master plan. But the thing is, is that the Kingsguard are, while a scary unit on their own, they're not the scariest units 
in your army. You have the Warrior Sons, you have the Pyromancers as well. And we'll get into some tactics with them. But the thing to also remember about the Kingsguard, and for some reason I just people overlook this, they have four Baratheon banners which are giving them special abilities. Each of the banners can be used once per game and gives you different weapon ability combinations or gives the opponent different debuffs or lets you move across the board. Uh, this is something that you will need to capitalize on because it really just... It puts the it takes the already at eleven Kingsguard and pushes them up into like the thirteen to fifteen like effectiveness range here. So your four banners. Your first one allows you to make a free maneuver retreat action, which means that you can use these guys to get a once per game kind of semi cavalry move to get them into a position to get into a fantastic charge. Or how I end up most likely using this, using it to get a free retreat action to pull them out of danger or to allow them to pull out of a combat and charge back in. Now here's the thing. I'm not a big fan of that one because they already hit on 2+. plus. They don't really need the charge bonus. What this does allow them to do is pull out of a combat and then slingshot into another unit. Or, you know, get to someplace safe, you know, depending on the objectives you're playing or something like that. So that one is useful, but a lot of people I see will burn it in the early game just to get them, you know, moved up someplace. But I would really much rather save that to get a free maneuver on the turn that I plan to actually engage with them to get them into the flank, to treat them like a cavalry unit and just get them somewhere where, you know, they can be extra effective. Because again, eight dice hitting on twos, you're not really going to need to use the retreat slingshot back into the same unit, but you can definitely use this to move out, hit a unit in the flanks, or again, just work yourself like a cavalry to get up and engage someone in the flanks already, because then you're giving them a minus one to their defense and a minus one to their uh, panic check, which combined with your eight dice on two plus, you know, is fairly effective. The next one is going to give you, is going to, we'll look at, we'll make the defender um, vulnerable and panicked. So that's another just little great effect that you're going to have right there to stagger out some condition tokens there to make your opponent less effective. So therefore, you know, when you are getting attacked and when you're, you know, implying, I'm oh, sorry, vulnerable and weakened, I should have said my mistake, um, to help mitigate, you know, the counterattack to help, you know, on you on your charge. This is the one that I actually like to use if I don't need to position myself and get you know, and if I just want to charge something directly into the front, which is something you can do with these guys, um, if you don't want to use that free maneuver. It's just, it, it depends on what you're up against, which one of these banners to use and when. But this one is one of those good for the preliminary assault to just make it so you're going to be able to charge into a situation that might not be ideal, but on the counterattack, you're going to be suffering less effects because they're going to be weakened and you can trigger that counterattack. The third banner is going to give you vicious and make the defender panicked. This is going to be your good tool here for when you're up against something that you need to target their morale. There's very few things in the game that you're throwing eight dice hitting on twos that you're not gonna cause at least some damage to, but you're gonna run into some of those things sometimes. So the thing to really note about that is that, you know, when you come into uh, dealing with that, you're going to need ways to mitigate that. And the way you can mitigate that is by targeting their morale. This is going to give you vicious. It's going to make them panicked. Odds are you're going to cause a lot of damage with that because you've got two effects that are going to stack. This is also an element of why Cersei is really good in the list is because you do have a lot of panic-inducing damaging effects. Cersei is going to help you with that by giving a further minus two. So combine that vicious, they're going to be at a minus four. And panicked, you make them reroll any of these dice, which is going to cause some extreme damage here. There's really... You know, if you can't crack through their armor, you can crack through their morale. The last banner you're going to have is going to give you critical blow and sundering. 
This is basically the flip side of the vicious and panic um, panic token one. This is going to give you options for cracking through something that has, say, fairly good morale um, and fairly good armor. Those really kind of tanky units. So Flademen, Tully Sworn Shields. This is going to give you means of really hammering through this. And frankly, this is also going to give you a good amount of damage against uh, units that have only an average armor. So anything with like a 4+, plus and like a 6-plus morale, you know, this will really help you punch through them. So like Umber Great Axes, which you really don't want to be in combat with, but this is going to help you carve through them. Um, anything with a 4-plus save, this is a good one to use against. With a 5-plus save, yeah, you can reduce that to a 6 with Critical Blow and get some extra hits in, but I almost feel that's a little wasted. Um... But this is still, you know, a good option. You know, if you're in combat, you, you're going to use, you need to use those banners. So you might as well use it for that. Okay. So that's the the general crux of the Kingsguard here. They have the tools to deal with anything and everything that comes at them. And anything that even might be a little bit of a threat to them, you have tactics cards on top of this. They're going to help further punish the opponent for going after you here. Um, that's something to consider is that, you know, looking at these guys in a vacuum, they're already good. But looking at the overall about what they can do, they can just do everything and they can do everything well. So that's something to consider. Yeah, people look at this and go like, oh, I can't heal them. and They're very fragile. Sure, if you're looking at them in a vacuum, but you need to be looking at all the other tools that you have to keep these guys alive. All right. So the next component list is going to be two guardsmen unit with guard captains. These guys are in the list because they're the tankiest, uh, most cost-effective, for being a tank, Lannister unit in the game. These are the ones that you want to go and hold objectives with while your other guys are doing work, because these guys will stay around. Um, we have the guard captains in with them because we get to trigger that Lannister supremacy, and also because Joffrey's cards are going to be handing out panic tokens. This is going to help mitigate that. I don't really think I need to further explain these guys too much. I mean, these guys are such a backbone of so many Lannister lists and Lannister playstyles that you know you should know what they do by now. All right, the next unit we have up here is going to be the Pyromancers. These guys are straight damage personified, and I've talked about them extensively in other lists, but the one thing that I really need to hammer in to people every time I seemingly talk about these guys is the fact, do not treat these guys like a ranged unit. Ever, 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 okay? These guys are a hardcore, I'm going to go kill something in melee, destruction melee unit that happens to have a ranged attack, okay? 9.5 out of 10 times, you're going to want to charge these guys into combat to get the benefit out of uh, the most damage they can possibly do. These guys are just a straight-up delete murder unit, okay? There are some situations where you want to hang back and use the range attack, and I'll talk about those at the end here. But you guys need to treat these guys like a melee unit, okay? Like a melee berserker just cruise missile unit, okay? Because nothing can survive combat with these guys for long. These guys, so... 5-plus movement standard here. Their attack is the same for melee or ranged. It's wildfire. 3-plus to hit, 6-5-3 profile. Here's the thing, though. The attack does not allow defense saves of any kind and has built-in vicious, okay? So unless they've got a way of just blocking wounds or, well, sorry, blocking hits or wounds, they're just going to take straight-up damage from here. The melee attack also has the extra caveat where if you roll a 1, that unit and the defender suffer one wound. This basically means that when you charge into combat, you're going to hit, or sorry, you're going to effectively deal damage on anything but a roll of a two after your rerolls. This is why you don't really care if these guys get weakened. 
their defensive saves are already garbage across the board here, okay? They've got a 6-plus defense. Okay, 7-plus morale is average, but it's nothing to write home about. So we don't really care what condition token the opponent puts on these guys in the slightest, okay? Um, these guys are also not going to survive any form of prolonged attrition combat, so we don't really care, like, okay, yes, they've got morale of 7. That defensive 6, though, is already going to see them getting cut down pretty significantly, so we don't really care that, you know, they have a strong chance of failing morale if you make them panicked, because they are just going to evaporate. The thing is, is that these guys need to be making the enemy evaporate just as fast, uh, because, again, you're hitting on 3s in melee, you're dealing auto damage on ones as well. By the way, that is significant, a little small thing to know right there. The ability for Wildfire says that for each roll of one, deal this unit and the defender one wound, whereas normal hits from the unit simply don't allow defense saves. Uh, this is an important distinction because things that don't allow defense saves, they can still be blocked by effects. Like say you've got a card that says block D3 hits, or let's say a giant ability that says they only suffer one wound for every two un, uh, un, uh, unblocked hits. That's different than the effect here that says when you roll a one, this unit and the defender suffer one wound. This bypasses any of that because you can't block just straight wounds. Well, unless you're Joffrey, ironically enough. Uh, that giant effect, this is not a hit. This is just a straight wound. It's a very important distinction that I think some people overlook. But again, very important and also take note of that. So these guys here are just meant to get in there cause damage. Very few units are ever going to survive two attacks from the Pyromancers. And if you charge in, you're usually going to be able to cripple a unit enough where they're not going to be able to wipe you out on the counterattack, which means you're going to be able to take them down. It doesn't take a lot to also just get these guys back up to a fighting form, because, I mean, you can just heal them right back up. Even at two ranks, throwing five dice, those are still straight auto wounds with Vicious. You're going to cause a lot of damage. So that's the thing about these guys here. If you're playing, you know, Joffrey with them, you also have uh, You Will Obey Me to give you plus one to hit, and then you're rolling plus two dice. If you play this on their, their melee attack, that means you're hitting on twos uh, with eight dice. Every one of those is not going to allow a defense save. And guess what? For every one you roll, you're causing yourself and the opponent a wound. Uh, that effectively means that full ranks, if you hit something and play I, You Will Obey Me, you're causing straight up eight wounds uh every single die roll that you make is going to be causing a wound to the enemy well technically it's a, a two plus is going to be a hit with no defense save but again i've explained the arbitrary difference right there most of the time it's not going to matter okay but that's insane okay that's absolutely insane so something to note something to keep track of there that's definitely the card you want to keep for them uh, that card is also useful to be playing on the King's Guard in some situations because 10 dice hitting on twos. Yeah, you're going to be wasting the uh, the extra plus one to hit on those guys, but they also don't care about the secondary negative of becoming weakened because, again, you're hitting on twos. Your opponent wants to make me reroll all my dice from hitting on two plus anyway. I don't really care. The last combat unit we have in here is going to be the Warrior's Sons. These guys are in here because they are a nice jack-of-all-trades unit, and you have the potential in here to mitigate all of the weaknesses that Joffrey is going to put on your unit in a very just tight little package here, okay? They don't care about being panicked because they're on a 4-plus save. So, you know, they don't really care about that aspect. 
weakened and vulnerable, yeah, that's going to affect them a bit, but they have two built-in abilities of giving themselves plus one defense save and then plus one to hit and sundering that can directly kind of mitigate those. They're still affected by it, yes, but that's fine. You kind of expect this unit here to be that little token dump uh, for your opponent to, to target, and you, know, you just kind of expect it there. So that's just something that's there. These guys are jack of all trades. They can kind of affect all this. So why are they in the list instead of something else? Like, you know, a lot of people like running Knights of Casterly Rock in this list as well. And that's a fine substitution if you would like. I like these guys in here because of the 4+. Plus and the fact that they are kind of an attrition unit and can get stuck in prolonged combats and they're okay. Versus the Knights who really need to deal their damage on the charge. And then if they get stuck, it's kind of a problem. But feel free to switch those out, you know, depending on your flavor here. I like the mitigation that these guys give because, frankly... Uh, Knights of Casterly Rock getting weakened is just going to be devastating for that unit. Here, not so much in the Warrior Sons. They don't really care too much. The Knights getting made vulnerable, yeah, that's a bit of a problem. Uh, it's a problem for both units, more so the Knights, because, um, well, technically more so for the Warrior Sons because they've got baseline 4+. plus. But that's kind of mitigated by both, so I don't really you know, care too much. I like the Warrior Sons in here because once they get in combat, they can grind down the opponent. Knights get stuck in combat, and they're just going to get stuck there. And plus, you're going to have to deal with some of the negatives that you have from playing Joffrey. So, looking at our two NCUs in this list, we have Cersei. Cersei is here because, as I mentioned uh, a little smattering through this cast, that she synergizes so well with so many of the effects that you have in your list. She synergizes with the Pyromancers because they got Vicious. She synergizes with the Lannister Guardsmen because they've got Lannister Supremacy. She synergizes well with the Kingsguard because they can make an opponent um, panicked and gain Vicious. She synergizes um, with Traitors, I Will Have Their Heads. Um, the double, you know, the double zap uh, card for, you know, Joffrey here. And she's just a fantastic option to help really bolster the strengths that this list already has. Brings us to our second NCU. So I was actually junctioning around points in here as well. I like having Pycelle in this list because he is three points and that's how many we had left over. But I will say that I was very strongly considering dropping one of the guard captains and replacing Pycelle with Tywin. Tywin would actually be my primary choice for this list to go with Cersei. Go figure, Cersei and Tywin having to reign in Joffrey. Simply because Tywin is going to give you a once per game, just screw you effect to a unit. And if your opponent overcommits or you think your Kingsguard get in trouble, he is going to just rear in and save the day doing that by making the unit panicked, weakened, vulnerable, and making them lose every single ability that they have, them and their attachment, just absolutely neuters a unit. And you combine that with just pretty much any other unit that you have in this list as well, Kingsguard, Pyromancers, um, it can absolutely just, you know, save you in that case or be used to just take them down on offensive potential. Do I think it is worth dropping a guard captain from one of the guardsmen units to upgrade um, Pycelle to Tywin? Uh, that's going to be a personal preference because, like, frankly, I don't have a problem doing that because, you know, I'm not scared to play a guardsman unit without a captain, which some people seem absolutely terrified to do. But again, okay, risk aversion here. Frankly, I will say that if you're running a vanilla guardsman unit, your opponent is going to just use them as a giant magnet for putting tokens on. And you can kind of take that into consideration because if they want to dump all those extra tokens on a five-point unit, hey, feel free. The other option is you could actually take the warrior's sons out 
and downgrade them to a second unit of pyromancers, which is actually something I've run before as well. Um, and it is quite effective, but it does make your list a little squishy. But that's another option as well. Ideally, you could sprinkle in another unit of your choice as well, like maybe halberds with a um, assault veteran or something like that. That works out well as uh, well in that case. But for this version of the list, I did end up just keeping those and running Pycel. Pycel is not a bad option because he does give you some extra staying power of the list um, in the form of just handing out a bunch of weakened tokens every single time he claims his own. So what's that going? What, what that is going to do is that's going to uh, mitigate some of the the issues that this list has in helping it stay around a little bit longer. Okay, your Kingsguard do have the uh, have only eight wounds and can't heal, so giving them a little bit of extra staying power in the form of the opponent being weakened is good. Lannister Guardsmen, of course, love it when their opponent is weakened because they've got a three plus defense and it just helps to block any wounds that are coming in. Pyromancers, well, pretty much every miss you know, that you give the opponent, you know, due to weekend is going to be a pyromancer that you've saved. So they especially like it. And in the warrior sons, it helps them stay around just that much longer. Again, Pycelle is not bad by any means in this list. He synergizes quite well. There's just some additional options that you can run here. Again, I would personally upgrade him to Tywin. That fits my play style more, but that would change around some of the fundamentals of the list. And again, in that situation, uh, if I really, really wanted to stick uh, Tywin in here instead of Pycelle, it would probably be I would just remove a guard captain and then upgrade that and then just deal with it. But if you know you're if that's slightly more risky to you and you're one of those you know lame people, then you could change out the warrior sons for second unit pyromancers. That's also going to give you a little bit more offensive punch and a little bit more just like that's going to give you two solid defensive units, two units of just deadly missile pyromancers, and then your king's guard that can handle everything. That's a really solid list as well, but it gets a little kind of spammy in its tactics because your opponent very clearly sees like, okay, these are the tanks, these are the anvils, and then this is my big priority target, the king's guard. By giving you some unit diversity with the warrior sons, the pyromancers, and then two units of guardsmen and the king's guard, those are not so obvious, so your opponent's going to have a little bit of a tougher time deciding what's a threat or not. So this is my list for running Joffrey and the Kingsguard. I'm going to be fully honest here. Joffrey is probably my favorite Lannister commander to play. Uh, I think that if you properly utilize him, he can have some just like stupid, ridiculously powerful effects. He's not going to give you the element of control that Tyrion is going to give you. He's not going to give you the defensive nature that Tywin is going to give you. He's not going to give you the offensive potential that Gregor is going to give you. But he can do pretty much everything right here. He doesn't have too much control, I'll give that. But he's got ways of mitigating wounds. He's got ways of targeting enemy morale. He's got ways of punching through enemy armor. It's all about knowing the weaknesses that he has and the fact that he is a spoiled little, you know, bitch brat in the and you know, everyone hates him. You've got to bring, you know, his parental figures with Cersei and, you know, Grandpa Tywin over here to help mitigate the weaknesses that he has. And in addition to that, you need to be smart about your list creation and just know that, like, okay, these are some negatives I'll encounter. How do I mitigate those without actually paying really that much to mitigate them? And that's really what this list is about. It's about just straight up not caring about what the little shit does and just going, okay, you're the king. You've got a lot of power because you're the king. Let's utilize that power. So there you guys go. Join me next time, and we will be back with another list discussion. Till then, take care.